0: First question, did you know there are multiple passages in the book of Genesis that are prophecies referring to the coming Messiah? Question number two, are you interpreting those prophecies correctly as they apply to Jesus? Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I am William Dyer, and this is Dyer Conversations. Okay, so if you're just joining us on this podcast, I want to let you know I am doing a series on some of the main prophecies in the Old Testament that refer to the Messiah, because I have found that a lot of times we misapply or misinterpret them uh, to Jesus and how the New Testament actually uses these prophecies. So I will link my first video on this uh, screen right now and also put it in the description below in case you missed that. But for today's podcast, what we're going to do is we're going to look at two of the main prophecies in the book of Genesis that really show transitions in the story of this coming Messiah. Now, as we proceed in the story, you have to understand that the biblical narrative is not just a bunch of random Bible stories. It's not just a collection of a bunch of things God put in there to show you that he's a really cool God, or you know, to help you overcome your fears and anxieties, although, yes, They do do that, and there are applications like that. That's not necessarily the primary purpose of these stories. What God is doing is He is laying out for us what we call redemptive history. Now, what's redemptive history? That is God narrowing down on His um, providential acting in history to bring forth this Messiah figure to destroy what Satan did, right, bringing sin and death into the world, and to redeem mankind. And so as you look at the Old Testament narrative, you have to read it through that light. That the reason why these stories are being told and the reason why these details are in there is because it's all streamlined. It's all this one, you know, thread that's woven together. That's all going to be leading to the Messiah figure. But we want to make sure that we are interpreting these passages correctly. So as we move past Genesis chapter 3, we're going to breeze through a lot of you know the details because, again, this is not an Old Testament history podcast. We're just talking about the prophecies referring to the Messiah. We go past Genesis chapter 6, 7, 8, 9. You know, we get the flood with Noah. They come off the ark. Noah gets drunk. You know There's some crazy misgivings with one of his sons, and that's a weird story. You can read it for yourself in Genesis chapter 9. But what is important there is out of his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, Noah, in this patriarchal you know, blessing or um, sort of a thing that he's given to his sons, he picks out Shem and says, blessed be the Lord God of Shem. And this is why the biblical narrative after chapter 9 begins to trace the lineage of Shem. And you see Japheth kind of fall off a little bit, and Ham kind of fall off on the details a bit, and we're tracing through Shem now. And that's why the chronology is listed there uh, in the early chapters of Genesis of Shem's descendants, because... The biblical author is trying to show you that this main character that's coming on the scene, he is from the line of Shem, and that main character is the one we're going to talk about today, the character Abraham. Now, we want to look at Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. If you have a highlighter, I would highly suggest you highlight this promise that God gives to Abraham, a descendant of Shem, because It is foundational. So much of the Bible and the promises that are fulfilled in Jesus go back to this promise. So let's go ahead and read Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the ones who curse you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now here in Genesis chapter 12 God gives this pra- promise to Abraham. This promise he continues to reiterate throughout Abraham's life. So I'll list this in the description below but I would encourage you to read chapters 13, chapters 15, chapter 17, chapter 18, chapter 22 where God reiterates this promise to Abraham and you know you get a little bit more nuances as to you know what this promise is going to be about. But I want to give you the eight things that God tells Abraham here in these three verses. Number one, he's going to be a great nation. So from Abraham, we have Isaac. After Isaac, Jacob. Jacob has the 12 sons that become the 12 tribes of Israel. There's your great nation. He's going to bless him. You read the story. Again, Abraham is greatly blessed. He's going to make his name great. There's the three major world religions in the world today. You got Christianity. You got uh, Judaism and you have Islam all trace back to Abraham in some sense. Uh, also, Abraham and his seed would be a blessing to others. Again, read the biblical narrative, world history. that's true. God would bless those who bless him, God would curse those who curse him. Again, you see that in Genesis. And then through Abraham and his seed, God would be, would bless the whole world. Now this is going to be the one when you get to the time of the Messiah you realize, okay, that's what that meant. That through Abraham and his descendants, you're going to get the Messiah figure who's going to come. The Messiah figure is Jesus. And now that we sit on this side of the cross, we realize, okay, he achieved salvation, at least the potential salvation for the entire world. That's a huge blessing. And then God would give Abraham's seed, the land, the promised land. So those are the major promises that God gives to Abraham. But again, The thing we want to focus on here is this this narrative that is building. We have a boy baby from Eve coming from Shem, and now in the descendants of Shem, we have Abraham picked out, and he's the one whom this promised seed is going to come through who's going to bless the entire world. Now, in the biblical narrative, we begin to see allusions to this because Abraham has multiple children, multiple boys. But if you read the story again, you see that God tells Abraham very clearly, no, 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 it's not just a boy baby that's going to come from you. It's the promised one. And we realize that this promised one is going to be Isaac. And Abraham begins to understand some of what is going on here with these promises of his seed and the blessing to the whole world, we we understand from the rest of the Bible that Abraham has a glimpse into at least a partial understanding of what God is doing. So if you look at John chapter 8 verse 56, Jesus is in a conversation with the Pharisees. Actually, it's an argument. And he says this, very interesting, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. So Abraham had some sort of understanding, some sort of grasp of that. When we look at even more detail, Genesis chapter 22, this is when God tells Abraham, after he's given him the promised son, Isaac, right? And again, you read the story, you see, wow, this is like like a miraculous birth almost that Isaac comes. So he gets this promised son, and then God says, all right, now take Isaac up on the mountain and kill him. Abraham said to his young men, stay here and with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship, and here's what's cool. This is in the original language, not translations don't always bring this up. And we will return to you. And then in verse 14, this is after Abraham was stopped by the angel from killing Isaac and was given the lamb in the thicket in order to be the offering. It says, Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is that to this day in the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And so we learn from the other scriptures like Romans chapter 4 and in the book of Hebrews that Abraham reasoned in his mind that if God was going to keep his promise to bless the whole world through him and through this boy Isaac and his descendants, and now he's asking him to kill Isaac, that God was going to have to raise Isaac from the dead. And so Abraham kind of looked at this promise and realized there's something more going on here than just me being given a boy baby as a descendant. God's got a bigger plan going on. And so God chooses Isaac and tells him, hey, I'm going to give you the same promise I gave to Abraham. And then Isaac has Jacob and Esau. And God picks Jacob and gives him this promise as well. So again, we see this promise being passed on, passed on. And Jacob ends up having 12 sons. And out of these 12 sons, you might be asking yourself, if you're in the point of the narrative, hey, where is the Messiah going to come from now? Well, in chapter 49, this is the next prophecy we're going to go to, we see, again, a major transition in the biblical narrative that helps illumine for us who this Messiah figure is coming from and what he is going to be like, what's he going to do. So Genesis chapter 49, verses 8 through 10. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies, and your father's sons shall bow down to you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He couches, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion, he who dares rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Now, there's a few things that basically Joseph prophesies about Judah here, and the really the thing that we want to focus on is verse 10. And in verse 10, we get two words that we want to look at. Number one is scepter. The scepter is the uh, the king's staff. You know, it's like the thing that the king holds, right, to say, I'm a king. And then the word Shiloh. Now, Shiloh is a, a little bit of an ambiguous term, but essentially if you if you look through it and, you know, all the definitions and kind of what the have done with it, they define it like this. He who has the right or he to whom it belongs. And so, again, if you look at this verse, what is told to Judah is that the king's staff, right, this royal line, if you will, that you're going to have come from you, will not depart from you until he who has the right of it comes, the real king, the one who has the right to be the true king comes. If you go through, and we're going to hit this in more detail as we continue on uh, in this podcast series, but I'll give you a little bit of an allusion to it now. Out of the 12 boys, Judah is picked. The Messiah is going to come from Judah, and he's going to come from a royal line within Judah. When we get to the books of Samuel, we find that David of the tribe of Judah is picked to be the king of Israel. And from his point forward, There's always a king from the line of Judah who is sitting on the throne until the day when there's not. And when there's not, guess who comes? Shiloh. And that's when Jesus arrives on the scene, when there's a king over Israel who is not from the tribe of Judah. And we'll hit that in more detail as we get uh, through the rest of the biblical narrative. Okay, guys, thanks for joining me again on today's podcast. If you like this video, make sure to subscribe. Or if you're listening on something like Apple Podcasts, give me a rating. Leave me some comments. Let me know if you learned something or if you disagree with something. That's fine, too. Uh, You know, I will try to interact with you as well. Thanks again. And until next time, continue to seek the truth and you will find it.